0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. You know, um, uh, I've got a word on my heart tonight for you all, but before we do that, uh, just for a few moments, uh, I just sort of uh, just want to um, just bring our faith back into alignment for a, a few moments. You know uh, that in life there are two things that, Uh, we need to be uh, aware of. The first is that God is the constant and that we are the variable. And uh, no matter what is going on in our life, God is the constant. Amen. And so when we lean into His Word, we can be responsive. Amen. We can be excited. Amen. We can be full of faith. Amen. Because His Word doesn't change even if our nation changes, even if our world changes, and even if our Facebook feed changes for a few weeks, God is still constant. So who's ready for the Word of God tonight? Come on, why don't you bow your heads and let's just pray that God would speak to us for a few moments. God, we just invite your presence into this place right now. We thank you that you want to speak to us. God, we thank you that you want to move tonight, that you want to stir faith in this atmosphere. And so right now, God, we open up our ears to hear what you're saying, God, that we would catch your whisper tonight, that you would speak directly into each one of our lives, into each one of our families, into each one of our circumstances. Give us eyes to see what you're doing in the supernatural. That we might be able to walk it out in the natural. That's what we want tonight. We want to encounter you and everybody who agreed with that said, amen, amen. amen. Let's get into the Word tonight. Mark chapter 9, verse 14 to 29. If you've got your Bible with you, why don't you open it up, turn it on. If you're watching online, just quickly run into your bedroom, grab your Bible, open it up. Make sure you're not in your pajamas. You're still at church. And so we're going to get ready for the Word tonight. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. 14. Here we go. Let's read this together. My pages are stuck. Here we go. Uh, Verse 14. It's about a boy being healed. It says, when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast, cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell to the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, check this, and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. The spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And because... And became as of one dead. So many said, "He's dead." But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And then he had come. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, "Why could we not cast it out?" So he said to them, "This kind can only come out by nothing but prayer and fasting." You know, uh, this is the text I want to look at with you all tonight. And there's a lot in this uh, different text. There's, uh, I, I find this quite an interesting account just as I was meditating on it during the week and just saying, God, what is it that you want to uh, speak through this uh, text to us? What is it that you want to draw out of this text tonight that we can grab a hold of? And uh, on this text, I've titled my message tonight. If you're taking notes, write this down. Unbelievable belief. Unbelievable belief. What do you do in life where, as a Bible-believing, faith-filled believer You're someone who has faith, yet at times still struggle with unbelief. What do you do in those moments where you believe in Jesus, but there are still some things you're trying to reconcile in your own walk with God? Whether it's believing for healing, whether it's believing for breakthrough or provision, and there's that little voice in the back of your head, and you're like, I know I should be believing for this, but there's still that carnal nature that struggles to see how it could come to pass let's just be real for a moment, I'm sure we've all been through that before and that's not something that we should be ashamed of, that's life, that's part of the fallen world that we would struggle with our faith at times and I want to look at this tonight and I want to draw this out of what it looks like to have unbelievable belief. You know, the greatest way that I could uh, articulate or illustrate uh, this phrase coined unbelievable belief is like the moment where someone uh, is about to go bungee jumping. Anyone bungee jumped before? Give us a quick wave. Couple of people. I see that hand. I see that hand. Hands going up all over the room. Praise the Lord. While no one's looking around right now, I feel like there's a few more people. But you're standing on the ledge. You're tethered to a rope. It's tied around your ankles. You know this tether has seen many people through the same action before. They've jumped, they've survived, they've lived to see another day. Happens probably hundreds of times a day, every day of the week, every week of the year, every month of the year. In fact, it just keeps going. And you know that this thing is relatively safe, yet the moment you're on that ledge, the faith, the believability that you have shifts to a moment of unbelief where you start freaking out. You're going, I don't know if this is going to get me. I don't know if I can get through that. That is unbelievable belief. Or or, or how about the moment where you go skydiving? You know that the parachute is going to save you, yet it is still scary and it is still fearful the moment you jump out of a plane. That is what it looks like to have faith and then to struggle with your faith. You know on paper that there would be breakthrough. You know on paper that God's got an answer. But when you're in the thick of it, you go, going, man, this is hard. Man, I'm struggling. Man, I don't know how this is gonna work. God, you've really gotta do something because when I look at it, man, I'm struggling right now. And then the man says to Jesus, I do believe, help me with my unbelief. That's what I wanna look at tonight. And I've got three faith strengthening uh, thoughts to shift your thinking towards God and His goodness. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Point number one, is that belief is a position. Belief is a position. You know, the boy's father positioned himself where Jesus was because of his belief. Think about it. It says that he bought, uh, teacher, I bought you my son who has a mute spirit. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they couldn't. You know, sometimes we focus on the end of that scripture where it's like the disciples couldn't cast out the demon. But yet look at the the response of the father. Here the father has a sick son and his position is to take the boy who needs healing to the person who can bring the healing. His position was that I'm going to take it to the altar. I'm going to bring it to God. I'm going to bring it to the Messiah because I have faith that he can do something in my situation. Do you know our belief really determines where we position ourselves? You know, the faith that we've got will determine what we do and where we go. Think about it. People position themselves in faith at 7 a.m. at Coles and Woolworths, probably yesterday morning, in faith that they would get toilet paper. You know what the Bible says? Three ply is not easily broken. <laughs> Thank you, I worked on that one. <laughs> but they had faith that if they went, they would get it. Other people, they go to the ATM. They start drawing out cash. They go to the ATM in faith that they will get access to their money. And because of the belief that if they go there, they will get what they required, they position themselves in that place determined by the belief system that they have. Do you know what's the same in our spiritual walk with God? That the faith that we've got, the belief that we've got is the thing that will position us in the place we need to be. When we're on our hands and knees worshipping God, it is a position that communicates faith. It is a position that communicates We recognize God as the Messiah, as the King of kings, as the Lord of lords, that we would get down on our hands and knees saying that He is worthy to be bowed down to, worthy to be praised, worthy to be cried out to. That is a position of belief. The moment we're standing there in worship, we're like this. It's not really a position of faith. It's more like a position of disbelief, that God doesn't care about our worship or God doesn't care about our praise. A position of faith, a position of belief that God actually values the praises of His people is arms stretched wide. Surrendering all that we've got to Him, saying, God, I am positioning myself right now. The belief system I have brings me to the point that says, I am going to surrender all that I have, not just on the inside, but audibly with my voice, physically with my arms. I am going to surrender everything that I've got. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. We got to position ourselves with Christ. It's not actually linked to your circumstance it's actually linked to your belief system think about something goes wrong in your week doesn't all of a sudden mean that you don't believe in god anymore just means that you had a bad week if you have a belief system that says god is still good god is still on the throne no matter what happens here on earth then your belief system would bring you to that place where you still worship god no matter what's going on But if your belief system is linked to circumstance, it's going to be flawed. It's going to be a roller coaster. You see, we need to have a belief system that says, God, you are the constant. We are the variable. And no matter what goes on here on this earth, we are still going to worship you. Belief is a position. Everyone say, point number two. two. Turn to your neighbor and without projecting any saliva, say, belief is a choice. (laughs) (laughs) Belief is a choice. Do you know... um, Belief is a choice. When I was reflecting on this thought, uh, I was reminded uh, of something I read about once, uh, which is a term uh, in politics coined, crossing the floor. And uh, it was first uh, labelled this by the British House of Commons. And you can actually see up in uh, this picture, this isn't an old school church. This is the British House of Commons right here, where you would have one party on the right, another party on the left. And they would just go at each other. Someone's throwing paper planes, other people yelling at each other, doing their thing. But what crossing the line... Uh, actually, or crossing the floor, sorry, represents, is the moment where one member of a political party decides to either vote against the party line, or leave their party and join another party. And they call that crossing the floor, because if they leave their party and join another party, they're physically getting up from their seat and going across to the other side. And so this term coined crossing the floor has then expanded into modern day politics, when a party says, you've got to vote this way if you're part of this party, and then someone without the conscience vote or any of those things just decides they're going to do something completely different, they're crossing the floor. Uh, you know, Winston Churchill was a great example of someone who crossed the floor. During his time in politics, he changed parties and then he changed back again. Uh, in, in modern day, um, modern day uh, uh, political world, Boris Johnson uh, has crossed the floor. I just love that name, Boris. Someone's mother decided to call their son Boris. Think about that. Boris. Do you like that name, Caleb? Boris. I think your first child. Right there, Boris. <laughs> Boris Johnson. No, wait, hang on. Barnaby Joyce. Another good name. We did go Barnaby for a second. What do you reckon, Pastor Alex? Barnaby or Boris? Barnaby? Grandson, Barnaby. There we go, that's a good one. Barnaby Joyce in Australia. Uh, he crossed the floor 19 times during the Howard government. I don't know why I'm not that smart, but I read about it, must be true. But the record holder in Australia is a Tasmanian senator, good old Tasmania. There was a guy in Tasmania who crossed the floor 150 times, <laughs> like a pinball. But You know the thing about someone who crosses the floor is by doing this action of voting against the party line, it has the ability to disrupt and change outcomes. It has the ability to shift what could have been one thing into another thing. And what you need to understand is when we make a decision to cross the floor in our faith, it has the ability to shift outcomes. Think about this. This man in this account says, Jesus, I do believe, help me to overcome my unbelief. I wanna tell you tonight that we need to cross the floor from disbelief to belief. We need to cross the floor from doubt to faith. We need to cross the floor. And the way that we cross the floor is we break agreement with the party lines of doubt. We break agreement with the party lines of lies of the enemy, of death, of hell. And we say, I'm not gonna subscribe or align with that thing anymore, but I am gonna cross the line to the line of faith, to the party of the Holy Spirit, to the party of healing, to the party of breakthrough, to the party of peace. I'm gonna cross the floor to the things that God has for me. We need to break agreement with disbelief. Step out of alignment with disbelief because our faith it is there and it's a choice. Our faith is a choice. You know, the boy's father makes this statement, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. You know, one scholar reflects on this statement and he extrapolates what he believes to be the potential mindset going on in this father when he makes this statement. He it reads this, speaking about this statement, I do believe, help me in my unbelief says, it's useless concealing from you, mysterious and mighty healer, the unbelief that struggles in this heart of mine. God, I can't hide from you the fact that I still struggle with my unbelief. I could come to church, pretend I've got it all good, I've got it all together, but deep down I know I can't hide it, I can't put up a wall and pretend it's not there. You see it even when no one else does. God, I can't hide this from you. But the heart that bears me witness, my heart that bears me witness says this, I do believe in you. And if distrust remains, I disown it, I wrestle with it, and I seek help from you against it. There's so much power in that. God, I do believe in you. And I'm not gonna pretend that there's moments where I struggle in my faith, but in those moments, I am making a choice to distrust that doubt, to wrestle with that doubt, and to ask you for help against that doubt Because I am crossing the floor from doubt to faith. Friends, I want us to know tonight that even in those moments where we struggle with our faith, if we make a decision to choose God, He gives us the strength to wrestle through those things. We're saying, God, I do believe, help me to overcome my unbelief. You know, belief by very definition is trust, faith or confidence in someone or something. I have a great confidence that our God is a good God. I have a great confidence that God is on the throne. Someone say amen in this place. I have a great confidence that he's got good things for me. I've got a great confidence that he cares about me. Does anyone agree with that in this? I've got a great confidence that his plans are far greater than my plans, that his outcomes are far greater than my outcomes. And so I make a choice, even in moments of doubt, to choose to follow him because I've seen it time and time again that he takes care of his children. In those moments of doubt, we need to make an intentional decision to shift our thinking back to belief. We've got to break agreement with disbelief. We've got to make a choice and trust the Word of God because belief is a choice. You getting something out of this tonight? Yeah. Point number three, belief is a posture. Belief is a posture. You know, uh, probably like 12, 13 years ago. Uh, I was about six years old. <laughs> Not really. Um... Thank you. I had a friend uh, at my church, country church in Victoria. Uh, Marupna was the town name where my church was. And uh, my friend played guitar at this church. And it was a small church, and so not many musicians. And so he was basically on every Sunday. And uh, he's playing guitar, shredding, doing his thing. And it got to this point where he developed quite a severe pain in his wrists. And uh, he'd strap his wrists, play guitar, but the pain just kept getting worse until it got to the point where doctors had diagnosed it with RSI and uh, he just continued to try and push through. But the pain became unbearable to the point where he couldn't play guitar on Sundays at church anymore because it just hurt his wrist so much. Frustrated at the pain and the diagnosis, uh, this guy starts shopping around at other doctors to get a different uh, a different diagnosis. anyone done that before? Right, so you get the one you want to hear. And so, um, so he... Uh, Eventually, finds a doctor, I don't know, probably like in like South Mexico or something. Um, but this doctor tells him that he believes the reason he's getting pain in his wrists is because of his fashion choices. Um, basically, what the doctor had ascertained is that this guy loved to wear, uh, you know, Chuck Taylor, uh, Converse, flat bottom shoes, you know. And so, because he's wearing flat bottom shoes, it never offered the support in his body that was needed. And so, the doctor's theory would be that the pain would come up his legs put tension onto his back. The tension would then uh, move to his shoulders and go down his arms and then would manifest via pain in his wrists. And so uh, my friend, now uh, I'm a bit skeptical of this uh, outcome just so you know, but cool story. Uh, My friend uh, goes and uh, buys some uh, nice padded trainers um, and starts wearing these trainers and uh, started to tell me within a week all the pain had left. And he swore by this that, you know, what the doctor had said, change your shoes, it'll fix your wrists, was the thing that's needed. Now, I don't know about all of that. But what I do know is that I've got some shoes that are a bit uncomfortable. Anyone got some of those shoes? I'm actually wearing some of them right now. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, they're good from far, but they're far from good. Um Here's the thing, if I wear these shoes for three services on a Sunday, my lower back just gets a little bit tight, a little bit sore. So I'll just wear it either for a night service or a morning service, but never both. If I do, man, I must be really running low on shoes because these shoes just produce a little bit of pain just right there. Now, now, now Phil Kolak's probably thinking, oh, I can fix that. I can <laughs> just come and see me, book in an appointment. Um, but what I'm wearing down here affects my posture. And you see, your posture can either produce strength in your life or pain in your life. And we need to make a conscious decision with our spiritual posture about what outcome we want. Are we going to have a posture in our spiritual life that produces strength or are we going to have a posture in our life that produces pain? You see, our belief posture says a lot about the things that we're going to walk in. And we need to understand that the posture in our spiritual life that will produce strength is intercession. The posture that will produce strength, let me say it again, is intercession. When we intercede, when we pray, it takes our belief into reality. It takes our faith and it increases it. It helps us break agreement with disbelief when we pray. And we see this in this story. I want to invite the band up. In verse 28, 29... It says, when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Isn't this interesting right here? The posture that his disciples needed was a posture of intercession, was a posture of denying oneself to dig a well in the spiritual so that they could actually take ground for the kingdom. You see, our belief is a posture, posture of intercession. It's a response to our belief. But, you know, um, as I was studying for this message, um, I found something that I thought was quite interesting I want to share with you. Um, a few chapters earlier in uh, the book of Mark, we're reading tonight from Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 2, uh, we read something that links in quite interesting, interestingly with this, uh, with this text. Uh, Mark chapter 2, 18 to 19, it'll be up on the screen. Says now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and some people came and asked Jesus, "How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not?" Jesus answered, "How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them." Uh, this is interesting because when you read Mark nine and Mark two uh, paralleled, it actually produces attention for these disciples. Because earlier on the disciples have been told by Jesus not to fast while they're physically with him. And then they're here and they're trying to cast out a demon. And then Jesus is like, the reason you can't cast out a demon is because you haven't prayed and fast. Right? Like, but then right earlier, Jesus said, Don't fast. So think about it for these. I mean, these guys aren't geniuses. They're just like everyday people like, like me and me. Um <laughs> I would be so confused. Jesus tells me not to fast. Then He says, you can only see this kind of breakthrough by fasting. Man, these guys would have been confused. And so I'm going, Jesus, what were you trying to teach these disciples if not actually seeing the immediate breakthrough? I think it was a long-term lesson He was trying to teach these disciples. And I think it was this. I want to get this right because I want to be precise in what I'm saying right now. I think it's important. He says, this type of spirit can be cast can only be cast out Through prayer and fasting, right? And I think his lesson he was trying to teach him was that great things require special preparation. Great things require special preparation. Preparation in prayer, preparation in fasting, preparation in seeking God, in the denial of oneself. It requires a posture of preparation, it requires a posture of belief. You see, he's saying, if you've come to this moment already prepared, prayed up, denied oneself, living a life fully sold out to me, you've done these things, the moment that thing arises, you're already ready to step into it. It's not like you've got to go away, hey, I'll come back in three days. Uh, What's the shortest fast I can do? I'll come back. Hang on. Let me just disable my Facebook for a few moments. I'm not going to check it for a whole day. Once I've not checked it for a whole day, then I'm going to come back and pray. I'm going to fast for 21. Well, this one's bad. I'm going to fast for 40 days. And then after those 40 days, then I can come and pray and believe for healing. No, no. He's saying you've got to be prepared before the thing arises. You've got to live in a constant state of preparation, of posture, of belief, knowing that we're ready. We're in tune with God. We've been praying. We've been fasting. We've been digging that spiritual well. So when we need to draw on it, we can. And you know what I love as a church? We are in a season of preparation right now, which means everything that comes up from this moment forward, we are already prepared. When sickness comes up, guess what? We don't need to run around like a headless chicken because we're already prepared. Because we've already dug a well. Because we've come to this thing, not going, why can't we do it? We've come with all the tools that we need to see breakthrough in our situations. The posture of belief is in place in this church. Friends, I want to ask you tonight do you believe? Do you believe? Do you have faith when you look at what you're working through, whether it be good or not good, do you believe? Do you believe that regardless of your situation, God is on the throne? Friends, I want to tell you as a church, I can speak on our behalf. We still believe. We still believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We still believe in the laying on of hands. We still believe in the gift of healing. We still believe in the gift of tongues. We still believe in the fruit of the Spirit. We still believe in the inerrant, never failing word of God that is living and active. We still believe that His promises are for us today. Come on, you're a little bit quiet right now in this place. Do you still believe? Come on, do you still believe? Because our belief shapes our posture. Our belief shapes our positioning. The places that we go, the things that we do, we still believe. We still believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that He's not a dead God, but He's living. I still believe in salvation. I still believe in grace. I still believe that He's for me, not against me. Is there anyone who agrees with that tonight? Come on, is there anyone who agrees with me? That. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet right now? You see, belief is a powerful thing. Belief is a powerful thing. We need to know, let me read this to you tonight. We still believe. Matthew 10, 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely you give. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. I like this one, Exodus. Worship the Lord your God and His blessings will be on you. Food and water. I will take away sickness from among you. Philippians 4.19 And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. James 5.16 Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The prayer of the righteous avails much. Who believes that in this place? Come on, who believes that in this place? Come on, who believes that? The prayer of the righteous avails much. It avails sickness. It avails doubt. It avails pain. It avails fear. The prayer of the righteous person avails much. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.